This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, Luke chapter 21. And why don't we just pray and uh, prepare our hearts to receive the word today. Amen. Father, we thank you um, as we gather together today in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for our youth today and even the children, Father, and for those that are leading them. And God, we pray that your grace will rest upon them strong. And Father, there's definition that will be given to these leaders, Father, with regard to the plans and purposes that you have for our children. And I thank you, Father God, for giving them strength. I thank you for empowering them, Father, by the Spirit of God. And not only that, but bringing others around them that will help and support them, Father, so that our children and so that our young people, our young adults, Father God, can be strong in you and in the power of your might. I thank you, Lord, for helping them and giving definition to their lives that there is a resolve within them, Father, that causes them to know what it is that they believe and why it is that they believe it. And Father, I just thank you for your mercy and goodness be extended to all of the church in every aspect of ministry, Father, that we have through the local church to reach the world that is around us. And now for these few moments, Father, as we break the bread of life, I want to thank you again for utterance in the Holy Ghost. I also want to thank you, Father, for ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to believe the Word of God. Father God, I pray that as we receive this Word today, that God will make it our own, that we'll see to it that there is a personal application. But not only that, and more than that, Father, that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, will speak to our spirits and to our minds about your plans, your purposes, and your will for each and every one of us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said again, amen. Amen. Praise God. Luke chapter 21, excuse me, I want you to notice with me one verse of Scripture here that Jesus uh, stated and made Uh, for us to let serve as a guide to our lives. You know, people say all the time, well, I I wish God would speak to me. Well, get ready, because he's just about ready to, huh? Hallelujah. Oh, God, if you would just, you know, tell me something. He's he's getting ready, huh? We're going to read it together. You're going to find out. And you can say, if anybody asks you, you say, how was church today? Well, God spoke to me. Hallelujah. You know, and then they can ask, you know, well, what did he say? Well, here it is. The 28th verse. Notice in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. Jesus said, and when these things begin, everybody say begin. Begin. When these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for or because your redemption draws near. All right, let me read that to you one more time. Notice it says in this verse, Jesus is speaking. He says, when all these things begin, I want you to underline the word begin. When you see these things begin to happen, then it says here in this verse of Scripture, or when they come to pass, then look up. Now, I don't know, uh, yeah, this one says look up. Some Bible translations say, say uh, stand up, lift up your head. 
because your redemption is drawing near. Another translation says, you know, to straighten up, look up, because your redemption is drawing near. As we see so many of the things that are going on within the world and the uncertainty that we find ourselves, you know, having to experience and, and being concerned about, you know, what it is that Jesus is communicating to us here this morning is, is simply that even though all of these things are going on around you, when you see these things begin to come to pass, I want you to straighten up, look up, because your redemption is drawing near. Now the reason I bear that out as a matter of pointing is simply because when you have all of this stuff that you, you and I have been experiencing, it becomes very cumbersome. It becomes very weighty. It can be things that drag people down. And instead of, you know, being drugged down, Jesus is saying, when you see all this start to happen, stand up, look up, straighten up, because I'm telling you what, your redemption is nearer than you think. You know, we have the privilege, really, it is a great privilege for you and I to be living during one of the most incredible times that the world has ever known. I think I can safely say that. And that is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know, a lot of folk, that's not what they're focused on. That's not what they're thinking about. They're thinking about COVID. They're thinking about economy. They're thinking about their 401s. They're thinking about this, that, and the other. But while all these things are being thought about, my friends, listen, Jesus and the plan that God has ordained before the foundation of the world is steadily marching forward to the culmination of everything that he said he would do long before, before the foundations of the world. And you and I, as believers, have the privilege, oh, the great privilege, it's such an incredible time. But we're not we're not thinking about that all the time. We're, we're, we're somewhere else. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so what Jesus is instructing us to do is he says, I want you to see what's going on here and recognize that I am coming again. Now I know, you know, people can argue, well, you know, that's what they thought back in 1988. Remember that guy wrote that book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. Didn't work out. You know, and I'm sure that there are other generations, you know, that thought, man, surely Jesus is coming because of all of the things that were going on, you know, in the world. Well, <clears throat> I'm not much of a prognosticator, uh, but I can tell you this much. I can read my Bible. I can see what's going on. And I got to believe, praise God, that he's coming again real soon. Huh? So... Whether I have the exact date or not really isn't the issue. The issue is whether I'm doing what he asked me to do when he shows up. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Because I'm telling you what, he is coming again. And so whatever it is that's going on within our lives, we need to make sure, praise God, that we're not caught in a place where we don't want to be. Now, 
you know, again, people, you know, you talk about significant events, people can argue that and say, well, you know, I watched, I watched Charlton Heston, you know, on television, and, uh, uh, you know, he was playing that guy Moses, and they parted the Red Sea. I mean, that's a significant event. And I would say, yes, you're absolutely right. When the whole entire nation was delivered out of the hands of the Egyptians, and they crossed the Red Sea as on dry ground, that's significant. I mean, couldn't you say? Huh? You know, and, and then, of course, Elijah. Don't forget Elijah, because after all, that cat, he called fire down out of heaven. Have you ever wondered about how that happened? I, gotta, I think it's an asteroid. You know, you say, what? You know, what is it that came from heaven and consumed everything, the wa- lapped up the water? I mean, how, how in a na- naturally speaking, how does that happen? I mean, last time I checked, I haven't seen a lot of that going on lately. Have you? So in some natural way, I don't know what, but this fire came out of heaven, lapped up all the water and the sacrifice and everything else, and praise God, I mean to tell you that prophet stood and had an incredible victory over all of the 450 prophets of Baal that day. It's a pretty credible event, huh? You know, you could talk about the first coming of Jesus, You know, uh, during the advent of his coming, people were looking for him, and sure enough, he showed up. We just got in celebrating his birth. That was was significant. But you know what's interesting about it? You know, it was really very little known to most people when Jesus was born into the earth, this earth-born existence. You know, the shepherds, I mean, they they had a pretty significant encounter. The Magi, they were looking at, they were astronomers, they were some type of a fraternal order, you know, and, and uh, uh, we decided there's just three of them because after all they brought, uh, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, they traveled in bands of like 20 to 50. So when they came and they brought their treasures and they placed them before Jesus, I guarantee you that Joseph and Mary had to get a couple more mules. Are you listening to me? You know, those men, they financed, you know, Joseph and Mary and Jesus' trip on down into Egypt. You know, they came from Nazareth and they came down to Bethlehem, which is south of there. You know, I told you maybe 60, 75 miles, I'm not sure, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood. And they were there, but then they were warned of God not to go back because Herod had plans for them to kill the child. So they went, they just kept on trucking. And they went down into Egypt and I, I don't know. You know, I, it's not in the Bible, okay? So this isn't, you know, like, well, how do you know that? I'm, I'm speculating, okay? But if somebody drops off a big boatload of money and says, be blessed, chances are you're going to use it, wouldn't you say? Okay? So, so they go down and they hang out, you know, until Herod and his son both died before they actually returned to um, Nazareth. My wife and I were having a Bible study over coffee one morning, and, and um, we were talking about this, and we decided that they must have spent, we don't know, again, speculation, remember? I said speculation. But he was 12 years old when they went down to Jerusalem, and he got, he didn't leave, and the parents lost him, remember that? So from the time he was born, you know, till, I don't know, it's conceivable, they could have spent seven to maybe 10 years in Egypt before they came up. I don't know, I suppose if you looked chronologically, you could find out when Herod's son died and then they'd know that they could go back. I don't remember, I didn't, didn't dig deep into that. 
But the point is, is that, what is the point? That's a pretty significant event, even though a lot of people maybe didn't know much about it. When he turned the water into wine, whoo, that got everybody's attention. Hey, what's going on here? I asked my wife, we're having coffee. This is, I don't know if it's the same day or not. I said, did he do that before he was filled with the Holy Ghost or after? What do you think? After? How many think after? How many think before? How many don't really care? Okay. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that he performed turning the water into wine after he was filled with the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, he was baptized of John and Jordan, and he came up out of the water. That's when the voice said, is this my beloved? This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. And the Bible talks about the first day, what happened, the second day, and on the third day, they were invited to a wedding, and that's when he performed his first miracle. Hallelujah. God's good, isn't he? I tell you what, there's buried treasure in the Bible. You know, and if we'll look for it, glory to God, he can bring, blessing in your life. Huh? Glory to God. So those are significant. But listen, the second coming, everybody say, oh, wow. The second coming is going to be the culmination of all of the things that God said that he would do in this earth-born realm. It's going to be powerful, and you and I are going to be privileged to be able to see it. You know, <clears throat> thinking about it, you know, why is this happening? Because he's coming for his bride. Huh? We, the church, are the bride of Christ, those who believe on his name. You know, the Bible says that God is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. The only reason he hasn't, you know, drawn this thing all up and done what it, what it is that he's going to do is because he's waiting. He loves humanity. He wants to see people redeemed, you know, and here we are living in this 11th hour. You know, Jesus said there's a time when no man can work, so we better get busy while we can to get people into the kingdom of heaven. And the redemption of mankind, I mean, you know, to be able to be delivered from the tyranny of sin, how many of you are glad about that? Amen. Amen. And then all of redemption is going to be revealed. I mean, the fullness of God's redemption. When we got the Holy Ghost, the Bible said that that was the earnest of our inheritance. Now, I don't know what earnest money means to you, but, you know, if you put down 10% and there's still 90% left, guess what? It is going to be out of this world. Woo! Because the Holy Ghost is pretty good. Y'all tracking? Some of you looking at me like a calf at a new gate. State, keep up. Come on. Wake up. Did you have caffeine this morning? You got to have caffeine? Have caffeine. Huh? Pastor says, I can do it. Yeah, you can do it. Glory to God. And here's another thing about his coming. Hell is going to get put in its place. Are you listening to me? Hell is going to get put in its place. And Satan and all of those of the, that are damned are going to end up imprisoned. And not only that, but thank God you and I are no longer going to have to live under the pressure that we experience right now in this world. Hallelujah! Oh, what freedom! And joy is going to come 
to those that believe upon his name. And then the king, oh, the king is going to take his rightful place. Glory to God. And then as the Bible says, everything as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he will deliver over into the hands of the father and we'll all be subject to him. So you got a lot of stuff to rejoice in and a lot of things to look forward to. Praise God. And, you know, so, so, so here's the deal. As we talk about, you know, our church, the vision of the church, and 21, and where it is that we want to go, and, you know, in my thinking, I, you know, I'm pretty simple, but I, it works. I just believe, praise God, that the, the ambition, not only of the church, but as each and every individual, is that you and I make sure that we are prepared for his coming being prepared for his coming. So that, you know, when all these things come to pass, we straighten up, we look up, and we know, praise God, that our redemption draws near. How many of you would go along with that? Huh? You know, preparing. And so when I talk about preparing for his coming, I'm talking about personally, you know, Sometimes people, you know, you hear the message, you know, about preparing for his coming and say, yeah, you know, that that person right there, they, they need, I wish they were here today. They need to hear this. We're not talking about them. We're talking about you. Are you with me? Boy, do they need that. <laughs> so do you. Are you with me? You and I, individually and collectively as a church, preparing for his return. So what did he tell us to do? He said, get ready, lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. You know, when Peter was talking about this, he said, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, talking about the world and everything that you and I know and see, it says, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation, holy conversation, holy, what does it say, conduct? Manner of persons ought you to, holy conduct, and what's that next word? Godliness. You know, the characteristics of the king or of the kingdom emanate from the character of the king. Did you know that? Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We see that in our nation right now. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach. Huh? So the characteristics of the kingdom emanate from the king. So whoever it is that's in charge, whatever their character is, that's what's going to happen within that kingdom circumstance. Are you with me? Well, you and I are each kings within our own kingdoms. Huh? And so the characteristics of our kingdom is going to emanate from our character. So one of the things I have an ambition to do this year is I want to up my game when it comes to who I am and how I roll and to be better, to have excellence within my life, not for the sake of my elevating myself above others, but to please and to honor the one who purchased me with his own blood so that my life is a reflection of him and the blessing of God can flow in the world in which I live or have influence in. 
And God wants the same thing for you. How many of you believe that? Well, that's a, that's a challenging thought, but praise God, it's good. So he says, he said, seeing these things are going to happen, what manner of person ought you to be in all holy conduct or conversation and godliness? Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent. Everybody say diligent. Yes, that you may be found of him in peace. Now listen, if you're filled with anxiety, if you're filled with fear, that is not God's plan for your life. Not for one more moment. The Bible does say that men's hearts will be failing them for fear of the things that are coming on this earth. You'll see it. But only with your eyes do you have to behold and see the reward of the wicked. You don't have to be a part of it. Am I in the right house? Yeah, so it becomes imperative. You know, he said, seeing that you look for such things, what is it that you're looking for? Well, I tell you, man, this thing, it's, it's changed everything. It's done this. I've got this problem. I've got this. I've got that. Maybe we need to change where it is that we're looking. Huh? How many of you would buy into that? Maybe buy in. That's not the right word. How many of you would believe that? Okay. He says, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without, what's the next word? Spot and what? Blameless. Praise God. So you have to ask yourself, what is it that I'm looking at? Uh, Talking about preparing for his coming, you know, whenever company comes, man, how many of you, your wives go into this like, tornado mode. Huh? Al, he, he's, he's right there. Place is already clean. You know, my wife, she got something stuck in our, uh, our uh, nah, what's that thing called? Central vacuum system. So down here on this end of the house, it's, you know, turbo man. But down here on this end, it's like, yeah, it's not really working. So, I was tasked, no, actually, I volunteered. I said, I'm going to get that out of there so that everything works. And I cannot tell you the hours that I spent trying to find this thing. But I found it, and I conquered, and it works, you know. So that my wife, man, I mean, she can clean whatever it is she wants to clean. You know, I bought her one of these little robo things, you know, you know, that goes around and does its thing. Huh? Roomba. Roomba. That was like to her. And that's the, what, the best gift I've ever given you? Absolutely. Absolutely the best gift I ever gave her. So I was talking to my son, and he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm trying to clean out this central vac. He says, Dad, she's always already got that thing that runs around, you know, and does its thing. And uh, I said, yeah, but she wants the other one to work. You know, that way she can clean the house. I said, Dad, you can eat off the floor now. Why in the world do you have to do that? I said, well, because it needs to work. Are you with me? What is my point to saying all this to you this morning? Anxiety. What's that? Anxiety. Anxiety. No, it's not that at all. I'm I'm just happy the goofy thing works now. Glory to God. No, the reason I want to tell you that is, is that when you're preparing, when people prepare for, con- I, I mean, I think so, maybe not everybody, you know, maybe people, you know, somebody's coming, they go, well, big deal, I don't care, come on in, you know, whatever. 
for the most part. When people know that they're having guests, there is a preparation. That's my point. Huh? Yes, it might already be clean, but you never know. There might be a speck of dust someplace that needs to be retrieved. In other words, there's effort that goes into preparing for your guests. I'm telling you what, God wants you to start preparing because your guest, the king, he's coming. Huh? So that our personal lives are such that we don't have anything to hide. Place is spotless, baby. Blameless, huh? In peace, spotless, huh? All of those things that are described, you know, in this verse of Scripture. And you know, fundamental to the mission of our church is the mandate that Jesus gave to the disciples in, in Matthew chapter 28 and, and uh, um, Mark chapter 16. And we won't take time to go there, but he said to go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe the things that I have commanded you. And he said, and lo, I'm with you always. In other words, he said, and look, look, I am always with you. Aren't you glad he's always with you? Yeah, but it doesn't look like it, Pastor. I mean, I've got more problems in my life than you can even shake a stick at. I mean, there's so many things that are going sideways, and I mean to tell you, if God is in this, I don't know where he's at. Well, first of all, God is not in the problems. God is in the solutions. Are you listening to me? But he hasn't bailed on you. You know, he didn't cut and run just because everything went the wrong direction. He said, I am with you, how, how much? Always, everybody say it again. Always, he's always with the child of God. Glory to God forevermore. How many of you believe that? He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. We're talking about the mandate of the church. Huh? Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and he that believes and is baptized shall be what? Saved. Saved. And he that does not believe shall be what? Damned or condemned. Now, if you're a universalist, we're all going to heaven. But you know, unfortunately, that theology does not match up with the Bible. Everybody say the Bible. You know, how can a loving God, this is the reasoning, how can a loving God send people to hell if in fact he's a loving God? Well, he is a loving God, but he's also a just God. Come on. So, you know, as much as he loves humanity, he's not willing that any should perish, it is still incumbent upon each individual to make their decision about what they're going to do with what Jesus did for them. Now, let me explain that to you a bit further to understand that. Because a lot of people say, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. You know, well, okay, that's, that's well and good. But what do you know about what Jesus did for you? Now, we know that he came into this world. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave, gave his only begotten son that whoever would what? Believe in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. So salvation is or comes through Jesus. Now, the Bible says there is no other name 
under heaven given among men, whereby you must or can be saved except the name of Jesus. He is the Savior of the world. He was the Son of God. He was born of a virgin. He came into this world so that we could be saved. So, again, people will say, well, you know, I believe in God. You know, I grew up in a mainline denominational church. And uh, my parents seen to it that I went to Sunday school. um, And I had really good attendance, got all the pins to prove it. But, you know, even though I went to Sunday school and all of that, I did not know him. Okay? And I was, I, was, I was slated to be confirmed, you know, they, they make reference to it as being confirmed. And, uh, you know, in the aftermath of all that, I asked myself the question, confirmed into what? Just because you go through a motion or some type of a perfunctory, you know, I mean, a, a ceremony, you know, that doesn't mean really anything. I would have been confirmed into the church. I would have had my name on a church roll, but my heart was no closer to God than prior to the confirmation. Now, I didn't get confirmed because I was a bad kid. I almost made it, Mary. Almost. <laughs> Just not quite. Huh? Oh, yeah. Well, it wasn't my effort. I was looking for a way out. I can tell you that right now. Three hours in the afternoon. Come on, man. I mean, there's a lot to do on a Saturday, you know, that would be a whole lot more fun. Wouldn't you agree? Okay, well, anyway. So, I went through all of that, but I still didn't know him. Now, in my heart, everybody say my heart. In my heart, I knew I needed God. I just didn't know how to get there. Okay? Because Jesus and, and our relationship with him is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. Thou shalt not, and thou must do. It's about the fact that he can change your wants and your needs. He can change your heart if you let him in. What do I mean by that? I mean where you surrender. In other words, you acknowledge in, in your, your understanding that you need a Savior. That, that's, that's what it comes down to. And, and you say, yes, I do, and I want you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. That's what I did when I was 19, driving down the road, right? I'd been through all the, you know, I'd been through these motions before because people are putting a, you know, full court press on me to get saved. But you can, you can, you can do and say and pull every lever and push every button and whatever, but until a person in their heart says, God, I need you. And if you're real, I want you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. When I did that, everything changed. How many of you know God knows us better than we know ourselves? Huh? And so so it's whoever will call on the name of the Lord with their heart shall be saved. Some of you, you got problems in your marriages. You got problems in your relationships with others. You got this and that and the whatever going on. You know God can fix those things? Huh? You know, maybe there's a financial need that's in your life. Uh, maybe it's an uh, anxiety issue or a problem. You know, God can fix all of those things in a moment of time. And all he needs is your heart. But, you know, we cut deals with God. Now, you know, um, <laughs> I told you I was your pastor, right? 
Okay, so just understand it's in that context that I'm sharing these things with you. But I'm telling you what, problems are solvable if people want them to be solved. Are you with me? And so if we lay down our life in front of him and say, God, uh, I've kind of messed this up, and he will say, yes, you have. Because that's what sin does. Sin is deceitful. Sin is blinding. Sin reasons. You know, it, it, it's, it makes excuses. Am I in the right house here? You know, it does all these things, you know, and it keeps us incarcerated until we finally say, God, I need your help. And he said, I'm glad you asked. And he starts working and doing what only he can. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. So, did you know today, well, it wouldn't be today. Give us four more days. Marks the 42nd anniversary of this church being born into its existence. Yeah, give me a big old clap. Give him a clap, hallelujah. 42 years. My wife and I were 12 and 13 when we got started. <laughs> hallelujah. We wish. Time flies, man. I mean, you know, you think about that, and you know, just, I mean, it's like a blink. But wow, what a ride it's been. Hallelujah. And, and I think back to that, and I think, you know, you're saying, well, where are you going? Sometimes you've got to look back to, to see where you're, where you're heading. You know what I'm saying? And when I look at that, and I think about this church and the one that you have the privilege of being a part of and involved in, you know, the church was born. I mean, why, why was the church born? It was born out of a desire to advance the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, we need to plant a church someplace, you know, and so these people have a place to, you know, show up and do whatever it is they do. And so let's go out in the middle of this cornfield and build a church. That's not why we're here. We're here because he planted us here so that we can make, the dif make a difference in the lives of people and help them find their lives in Christ Jesus so that the kingdom can be advanced, so that the purpose that God has can be fulfilled, so that people can be saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, and live a victorious life. And, and, and that's the thing, you know, we wanted to see people saved. When I found Jesus at 19, man, I got so turned on, I couldn't stand myself. And I thought everybody else ought to be just as excited as I was, but guess what, I found out they weren't. How many of you can attest to that? Holy cow, you know? But you just go on down the road, glory to God, because of what it is that God has promised. But the thing about it is, is that when we gave birth to this church, we wanted to see people saved, we wanted to see them filled with the Holy Ghost, and we wanted to see them set free from whatever bondages that they had. You know, all kinds of abuses and things, you know, that people are experiencing, their lives are obliterated because of sin, and, and, and the tyranny of all of that is from hell, and Jesus came to set them free. You don't get that in religion. I went to a religious church. We show up, we leave. We show up, we leave. We show up, we leave. If there's no power, you can have all kinds of form, but you got to have power that's gonna change a person's life. You don't get that in dead churches. 
years ago, a lot of years ago, uh, two preachers that I was familiar with and came out of a mainline denominational church. We used to have a sign out here. <clears throat> it said, discover the difference. And they took offense. They said, what's that mean? I said, that means we're different. You know? There is a difference between a dead church and a life-giving church. Are you with me? Well, they took offense to it. Nah, you shouldn't do that. We're all in the same boat together. No, we are not in the same boat. No, 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 no. A lot of churches, they don't. You start talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and dude, they get nervous in the service. But I want to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. I want them to experience the Pentecostal, hallelujah, experience that happened to all the disciples 51 days after Jesus was resurrected. He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I don't want to live my life without the Holy Ghost. He is the one that empowers us to say no to sin. He is the one that empowers us to share the word of God with people that need it. He is the one who gives you the ability, glory to God, to stand in the authority that belongs to you as a child of the living God. I like that. That's what drew me to God. I mean, you know, I mean, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I was, I was, I was all in. I didn't care, you know, whatever it meant, I was all in. But then they started telling me that Jesus had a plan for my life. I thought, wow, okay now we're talking. Because I was going nowhere. Do you know how many people are going nowhere? They don't know where they're going. They're just trying to figure it out. They're just kind of, you know, dancing down the road. And I mean, life is not good. Well, I found out, praise God, that life can be good in Christ. And I thought, I am in. And then, he, and then I began to learn, you know, that he didn't want me to live my life bound by sin. So I didn't have to drink. I didn't have to smoke dope. I didn't have to do any of the things that the world does. You know, now they're just, you know, <laughs> everything's legal now. Why? For revenue. That's all they care about. But I tell you, if you come out of a dope-smoking world, I'll tell you right now that that stuff is going to ruin their lives. Because I've been there. And it is a ruse. It is a, it's terrible. Because people's lives are going to get destroyed. You say, yeah, but they're smoking dope anyway. What difference does it make? Let's get a little revenue off of it. That is so wrong. Why would you even think that way? These people, you know, their lives are being flushed down the toilet so that they can get lit up every night. Are you listening to me? You say, whoa, pastor, thank God I don't do that. You seem a little impassioned about that. You better believe it. Because I'm telling you what, Jesus made the statement, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I came so that you could have life and life more abundant. And when people are bound by drug addictions and alcoholism and all of that, that is not God's way. But I'm telling you, there is the power in the name of Jesus and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to set people free from that nonsense. 
Huh? I'm well convinced I wouldn't be alive today if it weren't for Jesus. Because all the people that I hang out with or hung out with, they're dead. Yeah. It's scary, dude. You know, I mean, I, I think about it. You know, so, so when I think about church and where we're going and what we're doing and all that, listen, this isn't a game. This is real. You know? And people, you know, they, they, they'll mock the church, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll have all kinds of, you know, like whatever. They just need a crutch or whatever. Uh, well, if that's true, then everybody needs a crutch. And his name is Jesus. Are you with me? How many are glad you came? It's 11.14 already. Has somebody been messing with the clock? Jim, you been messing with the clock? No. Guy back in the sound booth says, no, man, it wasn't me. You know, this church, it was born out of a revelation that surrendering your heart to Jesus can save your life and change your world. Are you listening to me? And it's changed many of you guys' worlds. You wouldn't be where you are today if it wasn't for them. So, so we embrace this theology, this doctrine of having faith in God. You know, that faith can change your world. That's why we preach the word of faith. I'm telling you what, praise God, if you'll start believing God's word, it'll change your life. You know, when Paul was writing, he says, uh, he says my prayer and my heart's desire for Israel is that they might be saved. You have to understand, the apostle Paul was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He, he lived under the strictest sect of their religion. So he's he jumping through all the hoops. And he said, you know, my prayer, my desire is that, you know, Israel would be saved. Because I want to I give you or bear record to the fact that they have a zeal of God, but it's not according to knowledge. So in other words, they're, you know, doing what they do because this is what they think. He said, they going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness which is of God. You know, there are all kinds of people, you know, they compare themselves among themselves and they say, well, I'm better than they are. It's not about your self-proclaimed goodness. It has nothing. The Bible says everyone has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody is without hope if they don't know him. Huh? So, so we do all that. And I see this today, you know, and it really, uh, uh, it bugs me. Is it all right if I get bugged once in a while? I call it moral or modern moralism. And what I mean by that is, is that, you know, people have a set of rules by which they live, you know, and, and really it has its root in pride is all it is. It's a comparison thing. I don't do what they do. I'm not like them. What are they thinking about? You know, a bunch of drug users, a bunch of this and that and the other, you know. And they look down their nose because they morally, you know, don't do that. But I tell you what, dude, if your heart is bathed in arrogance and pride, you are just as bad off as they are, if not worse. You know, the Bible says that we're not to compare ourselves among ourselves as the manner of some is. You know, well, I say, well, I'm not, I'm not like them. I don't, I don't do what they do. You know what? Jesus really doesn't care, man. If your heart isn't right before him, it doesn't matter. Am I in the right house? Y'all glad you came today? Yes. Hallelujah. I had a week off, you know, so I ought to get a little bit more time, don't you think? Yeah. 
Thank you. I'm going to take that six over there that said yes. We embrace a word of faith, and we embrace the spirit of faith that believes God, that believes His Word. We embrace victorious living through the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to give us victory. And and not only that, but the power of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. And what I mean by that, victory over sin and its vestiges. Paul wrote in Romans 6 and 14, he said, sin shall not have dominion over you. Glory to God. So thank God we don't have to be bound by whatever it is that's going on in the world. It may be something physical. It could be, you know, like I said, matters of the heart. Well, by golly, I'm just, I'm not like them. Dude, you know, there was a time when Jesus, there was a, publicans were tax collectors. They worked for the IRS. And one of them said, why don't you come over to my house and have some dinner tonight? And Jesus said, okay. So he shows up. And they got all of their other IRS buddies and agents, and they're all there, and a bunch of other who knows what, and sinners, and different things like that. And the church starts looking down their nose at Jesus and his disciples and said, what are you doing with them? You know? Don't you? There was another place where he was having a meal with a Pharisee and a, and a uh, I don't know if she was a hooker or what she was. A woman of the night, however you define that. I mean, she was, she was a sinner. The Bible says she was a sinner. And she came in and she started, you know, crying tearfully at the feet of Jesus and washing his feet with her tears and wiping those feet with her hair. And she took this expensive ointment and she anointed Jesus with it. And the Pharisee is sitting there. And we're talking about a, le- a church leader. He says, well, if, she, if he was a prophet, he'd know, he'd know exactly who she was. And he wouldn't be letting her touch him at all. Well, Jesus perceived it. And he said, hey, uh, Simeon, I think his name was. He says, uh, um, I got something I want to ask you. He says, well, go right ahead. You know how people are. He said, well, you know, uh, let me tell you this story. He said, there was, there was this guy or a couple guys, and, and uh, they owed their master. One of them owed 50 and the other uh, owed 500. And neither one of them could pay their debt. And so the, the, the master, you know, he, he just frankly forgave them both. He says, now let me ask you a question. He says, uh, which one of those do you think would love their master more? And Simeon says, well, you know, I suppose it's a guy that owed the five, what did I say, 50 and 500? 500. Yeah, the 500. He said, well, you said right. He said, this woman comes in here. He said, I came to your house. You didn't offer me any of these things. But this woman, from the time that she's come in this door, has been doing what it is that she's doing. We're talking about preparing for his coming. The Bible says not to judge lest you be judged. I want to get away from that, don't you, Jerry? I mean, you know. I got enough just to work out Mikey's little deal. I don't need to be so concerned about what this person or that person is or isn't doing. Wouldn't you agree? Huh? But we're so quick to say, well, I got that figured out. You don't even know, man. Sometimes you haven't even been in their shoes. And I'm going to try to bring this to a close. Hallelujah. You haven't been in their shoes. You don't know what's going on in their life. Maybe it would be better that we would pray for them than to criticize them. Wouldn't it be better than to stand in judgment and say, what is wrong with them? You know? Now, have any of you ever been tempted to say, what is wrong with them? 
Any of you ever raised kids? Huh? <laughs> I'll guarantee you if you've raised kids, I will guarantee you, what is wrong with them? <clears throat> That's why they need you so much. They need you to love them. Huh? Because it's unfortunate, but they think they've got everything figured out and they are so dumb. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I, I, don't, I don't say that, um, um, uh, I'm not... Um, I, I didn't mean to say that in a demeaning kind of way. There's no, can I back out? Yeah, okay, don't back out. All right, he just says, just keep driving. You know, <laughs> you know and, and, and while it's true where, where kids are concerned, it's also true for adults. You know, if, we're, if we become aware of something, we should pray for them. Hmm? Another coffee moment. I'm reading, Joan comes out. I said, hey, did you read this in the Bible? She says, what are you talking about? I says, you know, the Bible says that we're supposed to pray for those that despitefully use us. And uh, she said, yeah, I know that's in there. I said, well, there's some other things in here too, you know? And, and uh, I'll just read them to you because uh, otherwise I, uh, I might mess it up. Uh... Yeah, here it is. It says, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. Thank you for your burst of enthusiasm there. <laughs> Do good to those that hate you. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't get a charge out of trying to do good for somebody that hates me. Huh? And then it goes on to say, bless them that curse you and pray for them that despitefully use you. We're talking about preparing for his coming. Preparing a heart for his coming. You say, well, I haven't done that for a while. Well, maybe we need to start doing it. You know, we need to love the world into the kingdom of heaven. Do you understand where I'm coming from? And that's not easy to do, especially when you live in such a selfish world. Dude, I'm telling you what, this world is absolutely inebriated, absolutely intoxicated with its self, you know? And so, so you become a person who's swimming upstream, and I am trying to quit, okay? Not very hard, but I'm trying. There's some other things that I could uh, go on here with, but we got to stop. We really have to stop. Otherwise, your dinner, uh, what's Amigo's name up here at the Mexican joint? Huh? Say again. Is that how you pronounce it? Bertico. Here's a guy from the Dominican Republic trying to tell me how to pronounce something. That doesn't work. You said the sun is el sol. Sun sol? Sun sol? El sol. Yeah, well, who's the guy? Augustine. That's right. He loves you guys, but he's wondering where you are. Huh? I'm telling you what, man, we are funding el sol on Sundays, which is great. Thank God for that. All right, I don't know how I got off on that. Um, 
here, here's what I want to do. You, you ready for this? We've got we to cut to the chase here. And um, I, want us to, uh, I want us to commit ourselves. Now, don't, don't, don't take this lightly. I mean, I, I really want you to think about this with me for a moment. But I, I want us to commit ourselves toward this last push before his coming. Okay? To really be engaged in kingdom business and reaching out, loving, praying for, you know, blessing those and that type of thing that we have the privilege. Because there's a lot of hate in the world, you guys, and it's, it's only ramping up. You know, this next week, you need to pray for your nation because there's going to be a whole lot of shaking going on. And, uh, but I want us to commit ourselves to, to, to pushing towards the kingdom's advancement. And, and here's the reason why. We're going to take communion in a moment. And I want you to realize that that table that was set for you and me cost Jesus everything. He gave his whole life. And he said, this is my body and this is my blood. And it was broken for you. So that you and I could live our lives in a way that's honorable to him. And so we, you know, we clean house. We get rid of whatever it is that doesn't belong and we straighten things up. And we do what's right. We don't make excuses. We just get after it. I want you to commit with me to that. Let's pray for one another. Let's ask the Lord to help us so that we can be strong. People that are bound by sin are weak. Did you hear me? People that are deceived by sin are weak. They're not strong. They're weak. And, and God wants the church to be strong. Are you listening to me? You know, when there's... no. Uh, uh, but when there's immorality within the church, that church is not strong, it's weak. And that's why the leadership has to call people on their immorality. Are you with me? Because if you let sin in, it leavens the what? The whole lump. Are you with me? Now, you know, people say, well, you're, you're a bigot, you're, you're a hater, you're a whatever. Uh, nothing, absolutely nothing could be further from the truth. But if I really love someone, I will tell them what is true and afford them the opportunity to turn and go a different way so that life or so that God can bless them. Is that not true? That's right. With me? So you may be accused by, uh, by, all, by many about a lot of things, but let's keep it, let's keep it right and let's keep it pure. Amen? But commit with me. We're going to pray here in just a moment and then we'll take our communion together. Would you just bow your heads? Matter of fact, you've been sitting. Let's stand up, everyone, before him. Thank you. Hallelujah. You say, yeah, but I thought you were going to, you know, just go off the rails and we were all going to hang from the chandeliers and shout and this and that. We'll, we'll get to do some shouting first. Got to clean house first. Huh? Get the house all cleaned up and then we'll have a party. How about that? Praise God. Bow your heads with me. Father, we love you this morning. And I thank you, Lord, that you are about to fulfill your divine promise in the sending of your son. Pretty soon, Father God, he is going to stand from his place of being seated next to you. And you're going to invite him to go and come to this earth-born existence to catch his bride. 
Father, I pray this, this day for each and every one of us here that, Father, 2021 will be a year of divine involvement, divine change, and divine blessing. I thank you, Father God, for your help in every one of our lives as we commit ourselves to you. And Father, I thank you for your blessing in every home again, as I said, that God in these weeks, these months, these days that are ahead of us, Father God, that we'll keep our focus and our attention on you and that Father, you'll fulfill your divine purpose in every one of our lives. I want you to pray this prayer with me, church. Those of you that maybe are watching online, if you'd pray this as well, and just let it come out of your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I thank you for your grace that is within my life. I ask you, Lord, to help me in order to live my life in a way that's pleasing to you. And I thank you, Father, for your strength, for your wisdom, and for your help. God, make me a blessing to the world that is around me in all that I say than all that I do. God, may my witness be pleasing even when I'm not thinking about it. While others are watching, may I be the one who proclaims your name as righteous. And I thank you, Lord, for your blessing in my life. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I just thank you as we prepare to come to this table that you've invited us to. And Father God, I thank you for meeting the needs of those that are represented here today. And Father God, if there's a place of repentance that they need to find, may it be so. Father, if it's others, Father, that are needing your help, that are discouraged, I pray God that in the participation of this communion service, that encouragement will come to them, Father, by your benevolent and gracious hand. I thank you for speaking to their hearts. I thank you for showing them what they need to know and to see. And Father, I thank you for your blessing in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And again, if you would just bow your heads for just a moment, please. While no one's, uh, every head's bowed, every eye's closed, no one's looking around. You know, if you're here this morning, and, and I don't know, you know, I mean, I don't know your persuasion. I know something happened in my life when I was 19, and I made a decision to receive Jesus, and it changed my life. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you've never, maybe you never even knew. But the Bible says that if anyone will call on the name of the Lord, they can be saved. And that's simply by surrendering your heart and your life, all of your soul, all of your mind to Him. Say, God, I need you. It's, it's that simple. And you may or may not be prepared. I trust that you are because if you're here and you don't know him, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation and now is the accepted time. So if there's anyone here this morning, you never made a decision to receive Christ, but you just say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I have an interest in your prayer. Can I see your hand anywhere? If anyone here has never asked Christ to come into their heart, but would like to. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. 
maybe you're here this morning and uh, we've talked about a number of different things and you've you know give ex- uh, examined your life and you realize you know what I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not doing what I need to be doing here I need to get this squared away if that happens to be you if you find yourself in that place and you'd say by your uplifted hand pastor would you pray for me I I want to I want to get this straightened up I want to do right by my father you're not doing this in front of me you're doing it before him yes thank you thank you anybody else yeah all right anybody else yes thank you bless you thank you praise God anybody else all right church I'm going to invite you to pray one more time with these that raise their hand this prayer of repentance let's let's help them with this this choice this decision that they've made by praying this prayer dear Heavenly Father I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me and you said in your word that if I came you would for no reason turn me away so I come I ask for your forgiveness and I thank you for your faithfulness to do just that help me Lord to live my life to honor you in Jesus name amen you know for those of you that raised your hand I think sometimes that it can be incredibly helpful to have the support of someone that you trust you know a place is a safe harbor and you could say you know what I prayed that prayer on Sunday and and I just like for you to agree with me and help me and support of what it is my decision is there's accountability there and so I don't know who that person is but I encourage you to do it because sometimes you know we just need help hallelujah you know I need help just ask my wife she'll tell you you know but go and find someone that you can talk to so that they can bless your life why don't you go ahead and grab your communion uh, elements here and um, Jesus was with the people that he loved the most and that were the closest to him does anyone not have communion and you need one I forgot all about that Uh, Kim and anybody else I'm sorry yeah okay when he introduced uh, the Lord's Supper as we refer to it he was with the people that he loved the most and the people that were closest to him and in one place he said you know it's with an incredible desire that I have longed to be able to have this supper with you before I suffer because he knew it represented the, the, the fulfillment or the completion of everything that he had been asked to do And then the Bible tells us that for what was there on the table, he chose two things to symbolize his body and his blood. The Bible says he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, I want you to take this, all of you. This is my body that is broken for you. Would you pray with me? Father, I wanna thank you this morning We hold in our hand that which represents the body of Christ, broken for us, so that, Father, by it we might be healed, made whole, 
that the wounds, Father God, would be healed. And so with, with a thankful heart, we participate together, Father, in, in receiving this that he has provided in Jesus' name. Amen. You may partake. And then also we know from the record that we have in the Bible that he took the cup that had the wine in it, common cup. He said, take this, drink ye, all of you. This is my blood in the New Testament. Hallelujah. Which is given for you. And then he said, as often as you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come. Well, he's coming. So Father, we thank you for the cup we hold in our hands this morning. And we're grateful, Father, for your blessing in our lives. And we know, Father, that without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of sin. But today, Father God, as believers, we have the privilege of standing before you blameless. And it's because of this. So God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that was applied to our lives so that we could be free. In Jesus' name, amen. You may partake of the cup. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.